Hi, I'm Dan for Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers, here to share the easiest way to buy tires. Come to Dobbs. With the best tire brands and the biggest inventory, you'll get your tires the same day at the lowest price, guaranteed. Next time you need tires, get into Dobbs. This is Scoops with Danny Mac, the podcast, powered by I Promise. Now, here's Danny Mac. Scoops with Danny Mack and the Monday edition on 101 ESPN. And we've got Blues hockey coming up tonight. First game at Enterprise Center in just about a year. As the Blues have their home opener of 2021, they'll invite the San Jose Sharks to St. Louis. And Alex Ferrario is in studio. He'll be busy today. He's got his show, and then he's got Blues hockey coming up tonight. The pregame, the postgame, the intermissions. And he joins me to preview the game tonight. We've got Bill DeWitt Jr. coming up on the show as well. Alex, great to see you. The Blues are one and one. But what happened on Friday night? Eight to nothing. First period, they weathered the storm. It wasn't pretty, but then eight nothing. What happened? Eight nothing, Dan. It just didn't feel good, did it? No. Well, you know what? At least they didn't do it at the 930 start, though, because no. then everyone's turning off the radio real quick. Look, I think there's a lot that went into this one. The biggest thing that I took away from it was I at least hearing the players talk after the game. It made a lot of sense. They thought it was going to come easy to them. And I think that that goes back to the bubble play where a team that won the cup just assumes that the games are going to come easy. And the players talked about that after the loss. Ryan O'Reilly said, you know, we played so well in that first game defensively, offensively. Bennington, we just assumed it was going to be that way every night and it's not going to be. So that factor went into it. The penalty kill is awful right now, Dan. I mean, it. it Brian O'Reilly called it embarrassing like seven times in the postgame show, and I think that's the perfect word to explain it. They finished last year 18th in the NHL, which is trending in the wrong direction from when they won the Cup. They were one of the best teams on the penalty kill. You don't have Bo Meester, You don't have Petrangelo. You don't have Steen. Those are three big players on your penalty kill. That needs to be figured out ASAP because if you give teams, and apparently the referees are going to be calling penalties willy-nilly this season, you give teams power plays like that, they're going to hurt you. And that's what got to the Blues the other night. So Bennington in that game, uh, I thought he weathered the storm and then all of a sudden kind of the wheels came off. How would you evaluate that game for Jordan? Look, it's not great when you look at it on paper and he still was in that and he gave up four goals. But if you break it down, first of all, his first period was sensational. I mean, it should have been 3 nothing if it wasn't for Jordan Bennington because the Blues just were out of whack. They were giving up penalties. They Five on five, they just couldn't get set in their own zone. I think he had like 16, 17 saves in that first period. But if you look at the four goals that he gave up, Dan, two of them were on the power play. And those two on the power play, the one was a five on three because Schwartz got a stick to the face and went to the bench to get off of the ice. So that was going to be the odd man out. That last power play was just a complete misplay where the blues were unable to get the puck out of their zone. And then the two even strength goals, they were plays that defensively broke down. And one of my things this season that I was interested to see what it looked like was how the chemistry was going to go. And right now it looked at game two that the chemistry was off a little bit. So I don't put this on Jordan Bennington. I think he had one goal that he'd probably say he'd like back the other three. There were just no chances. Um, but I also think it was the right move by Barubi to pull Bennington because the team wasn't doing anything. Bennington, it wasn't his fault. The players even said that we got to be better in front of him. Um, and you got to get Huso some looks. And look, he didn't look great, but 
if I'm going to get my goaltender into action, let's put him in that so you can see what the top talent's going to look like and reassess from there. Yeah, what would you think of Huso? I mean, not great. Not great. I mean, that first goal he gave up, he left the juicy rebound on the power play, and it felt like he didn't even move to the other side of the post. It's not an easy task to throw a guy who's never played an NHL game in against the top-ranked offense in the National Hockey League on the power play when it's for nothing, when your team was playing bad defensively. So I don't take a lot of stock into what that looked like for Huso or Bennington because the guy's got to be tighter in front of him. You can evaluate the goaltenders a little bit better when the defense is playing well in front of him, like we did on Wednesday. So I think it's still to be determined with Huso. I, I'm not sure how they do it, but the, the as we talked about, the penalty kill has got to get better. And you mentioned it. You've got big guys that are no longer there. Mm-hmm. Steen, Bo Meester, Petro. Did they shake it up? What do you think happens with that? Well, look, at 5-on-5, five five, they shook it up with practice yesterday, at least according to the lines. I don't know how much you can shake up the penalty kill because you just have your designated penalty killers, like Sunquist and Barbashev. Those are the guys. O'Reilly and Bozak and Schwartz, Perron. These are the guys that are normally out there. Defensively, though, I mean, think about it, Dan. Your top two penalty killers two years ago were Bo Meester and Petrangelo. Now your top two penalty killers are Pareko and Scandella, and then from there, it's it's kind of to be determined. It's a wild card. You can go with Falk and Krug, who I don't think they had horrible games, but Falk didn't look good. He was on the ice a couple of times for like three goals, I think. He was. Um, Vince Dunn, I mean, he's an offensive guy. He can play defense, but he was one of the guys who couldn't get the puck out of the zone on the penalty kill on Friday night. So, look, I think watching the video... And hearing the coaches and the players talk, they're just way too loose. If you look, the Blues like to play that box penalty kill where they have four guys just centered around the slot. The Blues, I mean, they were wide four guys. I mean, there was nobody really in front of that crease. Now, I don't know if that's because they're trying to make sure Villa uh, Bennington can see the shots or what, but they're going to have to get tighter penalty kill wise. So I, I don't know if it's personnel more than it's just a mindset of playing heavier in front of the uh, goaltender. It's going to be fun tonight. Now we're going to fans in the stands, which mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to. It's not going to be packed house. I mean, it's going to be about 500 people. 500 there. can be a packed house for me right now, but we're going to hear them. Yeah. You know, you're going to hear some people in the stands. So we got about 200 family and friends of the players mm-hmm. in front office personnel and 300 uh, frontline workers have been invited to go down to enterprise center. What do you think this is going to be like tonight? I, I love the idea of this Dan and props to the blues and the ownership and everyone for putting this together. And look, this is good news for fans. Frankly, this is the starting point to get, fans back into the building this is kind of the trial run for enterprise center and getting these first line our frontline workers in which is going to be awesome but look i mean i'm put i'm putting myself in a player's shoes right now dan imagine you haven't played a game in almost a year in your own stadium exactly and you're going to walk into the building tonight and yes it's going to be weird because it's only 500 people but you have 500 people that are going to be cheering for you and I think that's the cool part about this and you'll be able to see it on television and listen to it on radio tonight you're not going to have to have that that built-in sound because you're going to have sound is it going to be loud no of course they're going to pipe in some though aren't they yeah they'll have stuff that's kind of like the lulls and every once in a while and if I'm not mistaken they're going to black out the top portion of Enterprise Center to where it's just the lower bowl right but again like if, if I'm a player and I'm playing on my home ice for the first time since March 9th and I'm going to look out into the stands and not see cardboard cutouts and actually see people that are standing and cheering that's going to be a little bit of an energy booster so i'm imagining there's going to be some fire out of the blues tonight one because of the loss on friday but two because they have the fans in the stands and their frontline workers and their family and friends which is going to be a little bit extra what do we know about san jose 
they're not as bad as people are making them out to be, Dan. And I'm surprised at how many people looked at San Jose this season and said, oh, well, they're not going to be anything. They picked up one victory. Now, granted, they did lose the other one. They split the series, but the Blues split the series as well. San Jose's still good. Now, they don't have the depth that they used to. Their goaltending is still the question mark. They got Martin Jones and then Devin Dubnik, who we all know from his time with Minnesota. But they still have very good top two lines with guys like Logan Couture and uh, Tomas Hurdle. And then you got the defensemen. You got Eric Carlson and Brent Burns, you know? So, I mean, this team's good offensively. Uh, They're going to be a challenge for the Blues. But the way I look at this is I don't evaluate tonight's game as saying, okay, this is the Blues team. I'll evaluate Wednesday's game because tonight's going to be what Colorado was Friday night, right? You played awful. You lost. It was embarrassing. You go out and respond. I expect them to respond tonight. What I want to see is what happens on Wednesday night after, if they win, how they continue that momentum rather than fall apart and think it's going to be easy like they did on Friday. It's going to be interesting, too. No Joe Thornton for the first time right? in like 50 years. I know. Not it's seeing crazy. that beard out there, He's, you know? I know. Well, per, coming from a person who has a beard that looks like <laughs> Joe Thornton, it's going to be very wild. But yes. it was weird. He scored a goal Saturday for Toronto. That. Yeah. that was a strange thing, watching a guy who started his career with the Boston Bruins, right? Like made nightmares for Toronto Maple Leafs fans and he scores a goal for Toronto that's going to be weird because that was the I mean that was the mantra that was the identity of the San Jose Sharks for so long right it was Joe Thornton and Patrick Marlowe Marlowe's still back but Marlowe's a third line player right now for him who's at the tail end of his career Um, you know in some ways and I heard Randy mention it this morning in some ways the Blues broke the San Jose Sharks franchise with that win in the postseason two years ago Um, San Jose's in a salary cap situation now with a lot of money to two defensemen but again they're a good team offensively if you allow them to be. So that's going to be the challenge tonight. But yeah, with no Joe Thornton, um, it's going to be a strange looking Sharks team. So we're, we're in the first week of the NHL season. I've been watching a ton of the games. Yeah. It's been no crowds. It's been different, but I think the play has been really good so far. What, what have you, what's, I agree. what's your takeaway? And, you know, it's interesting because after that loss on Friday, I'm sitting there going, okay, well, the Blues aren't the only ones that have dealt with this. And then Sunday, after all the games wrapped up, you know, there's only six other teams that swept their first series. Yeah. So that means there's 20 five other teams including the blues that evened it or they lost both series so i think this is going to be a very intriguing year because you don't have the opportunity to to win and move on to the next team and win and move on to the next team you're playing the same team so if you split these series dan a lot you're talking about teams that are going to be just in a, in a mass jumble with each other of if you can make the postseason. But look, there's a lot of speed. Um, I've watched the North Division a couple of times. I love watching Big Walt's son, Matthew, play. He's been uh, He great. played Brady the other night, yep. and it was such a fun game to watch. That North Division probably is going to be my second favorite division to watch for all of those teams because they have one less team. So basically it's eight guys or seven teams, if I'm not mistaken, and four of those seven make the postseason. And I would argue six of those seven deserve to be in the postseason. So it's going to be fun. And it's a homestand that kicks off tonight. So we've got two with San Jose and then the Kings will be here. Yeah. So we got tonight, which I think it's a seven o'clock puck drop pregame at six o'clock. Then Wednesday, it's an eight o'clock 
puck drop, 7 o'clock pregame. And then, yeah, Saturday and Sunday, back-to-backs against the L.A. Kings, uh, both 7 o'clock pregame, uh, puck drops and 6 o'clock pregames. What's coming up on the pregame tonight? So we got some fun stuff tonight. Uh, Danny Mack is going to be providing one of his blue notes, so make sure you turn, tune in for that one. Um, I got the Ferrario 5 with some five things to know, and we got some great audio cuts from Perron and Gunnarsson Barubi talking about uh, the line shuffles. And then Barubi also talking about how Bortuzzo's hit didn't lead to a suspension, which I'm a little fired up about as well. Awesome. Looking forward to it. Thanks, Thanks Danny. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. That old respect thing coming. I think you bury it, right? There's a shot. Taves does another goal, and it's eight nothing. I mean, I don't. I don't think there's anything called the mercy rule at this point. You keep going because you're setting a tone for the next few games. Uh, yeah. Taves with a power play goal. The penalty killing tonight for the St. Louis Blues is non-existent. It was non-existent, and 8 nothing was the final. That was Friday night. Blues will try to bounce back tonight. Alex Ferrari will have it for you on 101 ESPN. Game can also be seen on Fox Sports Midwest. 6, o- uh, six o'clock pregame tonight on 101. Craig Berube, the Blues head coach, said the Blues just didn't play with any urgency. Well, listen, we, we, we didn't come out with any enough urgency, obviously. They had way more urgency in the game. We we escaped the first period, but it never got better. You know, we talked about it. We just didn't compete hard enough in a lot of areas. We lost puck battles. I can go on and on. You know, we can't take all the penalties we take. You know, we give up six power play goals. I mean, you know. Obviously not happy, and neither was the captain of the St. Louis Blues, Ryan O'Reilly. Oh, well, we, we embarrassed ourselves tonight. You know, that was very disappointing. And, you know, the thing is, we just kind of, you know, we came into the game and you could tell we just didn't have the detail in it. And, you know, the little things steamrolled into big things. And, you know, again, it was everyone, it was myself. You know, I thought, I thought Binner played outstanding. The time he was in the net, he made some huge saves. But, you know, they're, you know, once they got that first one, we just kind of tightened right up. And we, yeah, we just, we, we lost sight of the details and it just steamrolled from there. And, yeah, I think everyone right now, we're, we're embarrassed. You know, that was not, um, that was not what we do, you know. We stick with it. We compete to the end and, and we didn't. And, and it's, you know, it's my fault. It's, you know, some other guys too. We have to find a way to get something out of it. And it's it's very disappointing. And it all starts tonight. Blues defenseman Colton Pareko. Yeah, I think just all over the ice, I think. Um, I don't think we kind of generated things the way that we usually do as as uh, Blues hockey. I mean, we don't just getting pucks down low, um, making it hard for their defensemen to get it off us. And, uh, just in the D zone, paying attention to detail coming into the D zone and uh, also our D zone exit. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's just little things all around the ice. It's tough to say one or two different things, but um, it was uh, a lot of different details we, we can clean up. Pre-game tonight at 6. We mentioned that the winter warm-up continues today. Had the chance to sit down with the uh, Cardinals president of baseball operations, John Mozeliak. Obviously, one of the biggest points of uh, this offseason is signing Yadier Molina or Adam Wainwright. What does Mo think? You know, I'm in contact with both agents. Um, Obviously, we understand the importance they've meant to this organization, what their legacy is about. And, you know, I'm hopeful that we can find a pathway forward. But, um, you know, there's expectations and then there's, you know, maybe reality. And sometimes they don't always uh, meet. And so, you know, all I would say to our fan base right now is is just be patient. 
um, <laughs> which I've said all off season. And, uh, you know, hopefully we can find a positive way to resolve this. But, you know, time will tell. Time will tell. We're going to talk it over with the chairman of the board. And that is Bill DeWitt Jr. That's coming up here on 101 ESPN. And I will ask him about that uh, concerning those two guys, Yadier Molina and Adam Wainwright. Can they get those two signed before it's all said and done? More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. This is the Monday edition of 101 ESPN. Scoops with Danny Mack, Dan McLaughlin with you. Let's switch gears from hockey, talking with Alex Ferrario. The Blues kicking off their uh, home portion of their schedule tonight. Now we talk baseball with the chairman of the board, and that's Bill DeWitt Jr., kind enough to join us. And uh, Bill normally does a great job in talking with the fans and updating fans during the winter warm-up. Not able to make it to St. Louis this weekend because of uh, COVID-19, but uh, wanted to make sure and reach out to fans. And you can see all the different interviews that are on the website at cardinals.com slash WWU. Bill, um, first and foremost, um, it's great to, to hear from you and uh, and talk with you. This really is the, the unofficial kickoff to the season, the, the 2021 uh, winter warm-up. It is. It really is. Uh, we always look forward to the winter warm-up as the kickoff to the season, and unfortunately, we can't do it in person this year, but you know, doing it virtually, I think uh, we'll, we'll get a lot of fans uh, tuning in, so I'm happy to be part of it. Let's talk a little bit and go back to last season, and then we'll look forward to 2021. As you look at 2020, um, you've had a chance to kind of catch your breath a little bit. What comes to mind when you think of just the 2020 season and trying to get through that? Well, as everyone knows, we had uh, a really tough start to the season with um, some COVID cases and, uh, you know, it was in the early stages of that and, um, you know, all of the protocols that we went through and contact tracing and uh, we kept pushing back. Uh, we played a few games and then we, you know, had to stop and kept pushing back when our next game would be. So it was a very difficult time. Uh, and I'll say that John Moselle did a wonderful job in keeping the, the crew together and uh, working with Major League Baseball just to make sure everybody stayed safe. And, um, you know, what that team accomplished is pretty remarkable given what they went through in the early part of the season. So really proud of uh, the 2020 St. Louis Cardinals. How, as you look back on it, how happy are you that you played baseball? It was 60 games. It was truncated. You've been in this game forever, it seems like. Uh, you've seen the ups and downs of the business, the, the sport itself, but you got through a season. H- how happy were you just to get through the season, and how important was that for fans too? I think it was really awesome that we got through the season. You know, it was, uh, I think, a very interesting season, the shortened season. There were a lot of things that occurred that uh, some a little bit experimental and others uh, a bit of a change. And, you know, uh, overall, it was received very well. And, um, you know, we got through a good season and uh, we wish we'd gone farther in the playoffs, of course. Uh, and, uh, it was right there for us, but we just couldn't quite get to the next level. And, um, but I will say at the end, two really top teams played in the World Series, and uh, the Dodgers, who are a great, iconic franchise, won their first uh, World Series in a long time. So, you know, overall, um, made the best of a bad situation, and uh, it turned out at the end to be uh, 
uh, you know, a nice ending. As someone that loves this game as much as you do, you saw double headers that were seven innings. You saw the designated hitter in the National League. You saw a runner at second in extra innings. Did you like some of those things in the three batter minimum and those things moving forward maybe in 2021? I did like those things uh, in general. Uh, the seven inning double headers uh, were, you know, out of necessity, but the interesting thing about them, I, I certainly enjoyed, uh, you know, watching them on TV. You know, we didn't, I didn't go on the road at all. I was in St. Louis uh, for the games, uh, watching, you know, at Bush on a couple of occasions, but, uh, you know, being up in a uh, suite by yourself wasn't, uh, <laughs> you know, kind of what I'm usually used to. So, uh, but in any event, the seven inning doubleheaders, there was a sense of urgency when you got to the, you know, fourth, third, fourth, fifth innings. Uh, and, you know, it, it was, uh, I thought it was great. I, I know the players really liked it because it didn't take quite the the toll on them that, that you know, a typical doubleheader of nine innings would. And, uh, you know, it, it's the traditionalists, and of course I'm a traditionalist, I've been around the game a long time, uh, and many of our fans are. Any change is, is sometimes uh, sort of frowned on, but many of the members of the media saw it for the first time, some of these things, and said, you know, this is pretty good. Absolutely. So, uh, I, I think some of these things may stick. Uh, the DH, uh, historically, those of us in the National League haven't been fans of it, but, uh, you know, that also uh, opened up some eyes where you get a little more offense and uh, take out the – pitching uh, pitchers out of the potential injury at the plate and stuff like that. So I think that was interesting as well. I did like the um, uh, extra inning rule. Um, you know, some of these extra inning games go so long, you beat up the players and, you know, it's a long season, a lot of travel, a lot of consecutive games. And uh, I, th I know the players like that as well. So I think some of these things could stick and, and we'll just see as the season progresses this year. Bill, as you look at uh, the minor leagues and the lifeblood of the Cardinals in many ways has been just drafting and developing these players to get to the major leagues, and all of a sudden you look up and we don't have a minor league season. As someone that I know you wake up and you're, you're, you're looking at the box scores, you're following these young players that some of our fans have never heard of, but you know intently who they are. How concerned are you about losing an entire minor league season? And then to, to kind of piggyback on that, um, what do you think it's going to be like in, in 2021? You know, that the first part of that, it, it was tough because, you know, I felt for the players and, uh, you know, they want to play baseball and play real games and start in whatever level they do and move up, whether it's to single A to double A or triple A to the major leagues. And, you know, to go down and do basically inter-squad games uh, on a daily basis was not easy. But the nice thing about it was I, I got a full report from those who were down there. Uh, our, our players that we were counting on to be up-and-comers really did a nice job and were very dedicated. So, you know, that's very encouraging. But certainly not the same as playing in a regular season and playing games against other organizations. Um, so that was, that was tough, but, um, I think 
hopefully this year there's a new minor league system uh, being developed, as I know you're aware of. Uh, we're going to have uh, pretty much our same uh, top-level clubs, uh, but the lower-level rookie-type clubs uh, will change somewhat into uh, maybe independent uh, independent uh, draft clubs where players are drafted and they go there and play. But, um, you know, it's we, we have a good setup because we have Memphis, which is Cardinal Country at AAA. We've got Springfield, Cardinal Country, which is AA. Of course, the Palm Beach Cardinals are down here in uh, Florida, where I happen to be now. And I've, I'm pretty much operating out of the um, – uh, Roger Dean office. So, you know, that's a nice place to work from. I you bet. Looked, looked out on the field today and I saw a bunch of, bunch of young kids in uniforms. I'm sure a school age kids who are out there, you know, playing a little baseball. So that was fun to see. Absolutely. But, so anyway, the, the coming year, we just hope we can get full seasons in, in the minor leagues and, and get some further development of our young guys. I I'm sure that fans would have brought this up uh, if we were able to congregate and be in person. But Bill, with the passing of Lou Brock and Bob Gibson, um, is there anything that the club is maybe planning on looking ahead as we look back to 2020 and their passing? But look ahead to 2021. Anything uh, that you might be able to do to honor those two great Cardinals? Uh, looking forward to this upcoming season. Well, we certainly do want to honor them, uh, which we weren't able to do, and and you know a full way, which they deserve. And um, it would it would be nice when we could have a full house uh, at Bush Stadium to be able to do that because there's so many fans <clears throat> um, that would want to come to that. And, you know, our, most of our games are full houses anyway, but those are extra special days. And so I, I think it's a function of what, <clears throat> excuse me, what we can do in terms of, of um, having fans in the ballpark. We want to pick a day when, you know, we can fill it up. Bill, if you could stay with us, I want to talk more about uh, the season and getting fans to the ballpark uh, this year. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. Let's continue our conversation with Bill DeWitt, uh, the Cardinals chairman. And, and Bill, uh, we were talking about getting fans in the stands before our break with a day to honor uh, both Bob Gibson and Lou Brock Let's just get fans in the stands, period. Uh, this last week, uh, the commissioner came out and said, hey, we, we are going to have, dependent on municipalities, uh, depending on where teams are located, uh, that will dictate, the virus is going to dictate whether we get fans in the stands. Can you shed some light, though, on what it means here in St. Louis and on trying to get fans in the stands here for 2021? Well, that's certainly the goal. Uh, the players and the teams would certainly like to be able to play 162 games and do it, uh, you know, in in front of fans to the uh, best of our ability. Uh, I think it's, you know, that's the goal. We still have some uncertainty regarding what the, the medical experts are going to suggest we do and uh, what the virus, uh, what turn it takes. So, you know, one thing we do know is that there's uncertainty given the um, you know, the health situation of uh, the country. And, uh, but, you know, we're planning on at this time having spring training as usual uh, with protocols somewhat similar to last year. Uh, but I, I think in some ways it's to be determined. Sure. And would you anticipate 
Bill, having fans in the stands this year, I know part of that memo was, hey, it's up to the individual municipalities um, and state ordinances and whatnot. So as it pertains to the St. Louis Cardinals, in terms of fans in the stands and trying to open this thing up, is it kind of wait and see where we're at in April and May? And just, as you said, the virus dictates, or how are you trying to plan accordingly for that? Well, I do think that... um we will have fans in the stands. That's the goal, uh, even at if we start on time. Uh, but a limited number initially would be my best guess. Uh, socially distanced, uh, not as many, uh, you know, not our typical 40-plus uh, thousand. Uh, but, you know, a lesser number, certainly, uh, if things are, <coughs> excuse me, still as they are today. Uh, hopefully, it'll get better and some point in time as vaccinations get uh, fully rolled out and people are co- comfortable coming and, and the medical experts say it's safe, uh, then we'll try to phase in more fans as we can. Sure. And also looking ahead to this upcoming season, as you came out of 2020, you look ahead to 2021 from a business perspective, not necessarily on the field, but business-wise, uh, how do you feel about the Cardinals as a business, as a company, and, and in terms of where you're at right now? Because with no fans in the stands, very tough on all teams, but certainly the Cardinals that historically draw 3.3, million fans to the ballpark. Well, it's, uh, I think everybody realizes it was a tough year business-wise for all clubs. And the commissioner has uh, made it known that there were significant losses. Uh, I think the industry, full industry, lost approximately $3 billion this past year. You divide it by 30, and that's kind of easy math. Um, So it was a tough year from that standpoint. Uh, On the other hand, the players uh, had a tough year, too, because they got, I think, about 37% of their salary uh, because there were 60 games instead of 162. Uh, So everybody shared some pain there. Um, Hopefully this year uh, we'll be able to have enough fans in the stands, uh, uh, particularly in the second half that, um, you know, it could lighten that. But I I think most teams uh, feel like it's going to be another difficult year financially. So, um, you know, it's just, uncertain times and um, you do the best you can absolutely in terms of what's on the field what do you want to see out of the the 2021 st louis cardinals what excites you as you look at the team currently constructed what do you like about this team you know i i like our club the way it's currently constructed uh certainly we haven't uh uh resolved the situation with uh yadier and and adam wainwright um and Hopefully they'll come back, but that's to be determined. They're free agents, and they'll, they'll help decide that for us as well. Um, but, uh, you know, we've got uh, a, a good club. I think we can expect and hope for improved offense next year, some of the younger guys uh, developing further. Uh, you know, we we have uh, Dylan Carlson, who will be there uh, a full year, and we have high hopes for him. Uh, we've got some other young players coming up. So, you know, I, I think uh, most of our clubs back here, obviously we didn't uh, pick up the option with uh, Colton Wong, but, you know, if you sort of want to 
look at a placeholder there at second base. Tommy Edmund is certainly a good one, an excellent fielder, and you know he's got a lot of pop in his bat and great base runner. So, uh, and I think um, Matt Carpenter's highly motivated, and you know he's he always works hard in the off season. I think he's working extra hard this season. It's his final year under contract, and uh, so I'm excited. I I, I think uh, we've got a good club and. Should be very competitive. You could imagine if we were on the main stage, fans would be wondering, hey, Mr. DeWitt, are the Cardinals going to go out and, and spend a little bit more money knowing maybe what the budget looks like uh, if you have 162 games? So I'll ask you that. Would you be willing to dip your toe into the free agency water or trades before spring training or even in spring training with this uh, club looking ahead to 2021? Well, as you know, most of our players we've got some arbitration cases that will be determined here shortly <clears throat> excuse me but um our most of our club is, is under contract we know what the payroll uh, of that group is and it's you know it's substantial so once we sort out what we think our revenue is going to be uh, we, it'll enable us to make decisions on what we might be able to add uh, but you know we're always looking to improve and Hopefully we'll be able to do that before the season starts. And I'll ask you again about the the Yachty and the Wayno thing. And we we know they're important pieces to the franchise in the now and in the historic look of this franchise. Um, tell our fans what they mean to you, and and just you know trying to figure out a solution to make this thing happen, and and if it can come to fruition. Well, they're clearly both um, iconic Cardinals, and you know I've had great success, championship teams, and. Uh, good teammates, leaders, and so we're hopeful that they will come back. Uh, we've uh, made them both offers, uh, and I think they just want to see what the market is, and, you know, they may choose to go elsewhere. That's that's their decision, and someone may come in and offer them more, and they may choose to take it. So, you know, we'll just have to wait and see. Absolutely. I'll wrap it up with this, uh, Bill. Um the the floor is yours, if you will. What would be your message to fans that we all went through a very tough, whether you're in the sport or not, uh, 2020, but looking ahead to, to 2021, uh, what what's your message to, to Cardinal fans that are tuned in now? Well, my message would be that we had a nice winning season last year. Uh, most of those players are, are coming back. Uh, we have young players that we think are emerging and will do better. Uh, and we have a good system. I got a full report after this season, as I mentioned before, of the group down in Springfield, and uh, we've got a really strong group of good prospects down there, so we're very optimistic about the future as well as this coming season. And I know that you're very appreciative to the fans, too. They're, they're going to come out. You know when it opens up. They're going to be there. <laughs> I know. I, I One thing I do know is whatever fans are uh, – number of fans we're allowed to have from a sort of public health standpoint, uh, they will be there. That's one thing we can always count on with the Cardinals. Wins and losses, sometimes you never know, but with the fans, uh, there's always certainty. They they show up and they're great. So we, we appreciate the fans and we try to give them the best product possible. You bet. Hey, Bill, uh, stay safe, stay healthy. Thanks for doing this. Uh, happy winter warm-up, happy new year, and uh, hopefully we see you sooner rather than later down in Jupiter, Florida. Well, I look forward to it, and uh, I do appreciate everyone on the in the winter warm-up who, who's tuning in virtually, and uh, we have great fans, not only locally, but from out of town, and 
it's typically a weekend where uh, you see a lot of cars from other states, but uh, they can tune in and and uh, we we appreciate their strong interest in the Cardinals. Great to catch up, Bill. Thank you. Thanks, Dan. Again, many thanks to Bill DeWitt. You've been listening to Scoops with Danny Mac, the podcast powered by I Promise. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.